learning from what he's telling us and living out of that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I don't want us to get this idea, okay, for 2023, we're going to do this. What's next year then? Well, next year is going to be 2024, and we are going to do this. We're going to look, and we're going to listen, and we're going to learn, and we're going to live. And then when 2025 comes around, we'll continue to do that. Right? Yeah. Amen. And then 2026. Amen. And so, and then on 2027, we'll do something new. No, okay, but, but we're, we're like, we're always wanting to be about the kingdom business. Alright? And I, I'm convinced of this, you know, uh, I could probably, I could probably do about four sermons in a year and just do them on a cycle. And people would be like, man, that's good. I've never heard that before. But you did it actually last, last month on the first Sunday you heard it. Alright? But isn't it funny how we have to hear things a lot of times? Yep. How many of you have heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus? How many of you guys have heard that? How many of you all have been impacted by that in perpetuity, though? Continuing. Yep. Like you hear it again, and there's something else that impacts you. You hear it again, and something else impacts you. And again, and again. And it's like this weird thing, like, it's almost like a river of living water. That pours over you. That never, ever gets stale or gets old. Never does. And so we're going to look... We, we, we've been learning about, about Jesus and how Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he comes and he inaugurates his kingdom. The kingdom of God is among us. And Jesus brings this, and of course the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. Alright? And uh, then Jesus does this and he proclaims the good news. And then he demonstrates. calls us people of the kingdom. And we live in this great tension of the things to come and the things that are right now. And there's hope in the gospel. But there's delay too, right? There's delay in the kingdom of God. Like, why are these things happening, Lord? And so we're going over vineyard core values, and we've gone over partner with the Holy Spirit. We've gone over experience and worship God, and today we're going to go over reconcile people with God and all creation. And that alone, reconcile people with God and all creation, it sounds super noble. Right? Uh, wow. Like, I get to be a part of that? How many of you think of that? Reconcile people with God and all creation. And how many of you feel something like this? I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, but it seems a little bit more than what I'm qualified for. 
feelings like that. I don't add up to the expectation of the king's game. And however you made that determination, I don't know. I'm sure at some point you have. And so today I want to talk to you, and I want to encourage you, and uh, perhaps challenge some of the ways that you're thinking about yourself and uh, about Jesus. And uh, the first takeaway today is this, you need to get dressed. Amen. Okay. Now I am incredibly grateful that you chose clothes this morning. Right? We all are. Uh, but you need to get dressed. And if we look at this passage in Galatians, and verses 20, uh, chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, uh, it, it says this. Um, for all of you, or for you are all, thank you, children of God through faith, Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you all are one in Christ. And, and now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Amen. Now it goes on in, in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, uh, and again it says this, And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. Prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, <coughs> God has made you his heir. Amen. Now, one of the things that we'll look at in just a second is, what does that clothing look like? One of my sons, who will remain nameless, but you're 50-50, if you go for a guess, right? has what I call fits of phrases. Fits of phrases. And what I mean by this is approximately every 14 days, this child young man boy <laughs> introduces me to another phrase. Sometimes I have no idea what he's talking about. And then he breaks it down for me and I'm like, okay, that's good. I know for a fact that for the next 14 days I'm going to hear this a lot. Because it is introduced with confidence, and it is introduced with what I call a method of repetition. Um, like a drip. That you can't 
know where it's coming from, but it's there. <laughs> it's happened over and over again. And so we have uh, come to accept these bits of phrases reluctantly. Um, but uh, this week, we inaugurated it early on a Saturday evening uh, last night. And I know that it is the fit of phrasing. And it's this, fit check. Fit check, no, no, no. We're not talking about your iPhone. We're not talking about an Apple Watch. We're not talking about anything like that. It literally is an outfit check. <laughs> a fit check. And so this, this fit check is apparently you are simply looking at an outfit that someone is wearing, and you're evaluating the outfit and then, I guess off of that, you can evaluate the character of the person. <laughs> I'm just Probably in a 15-year-old mind, oh, one son is 15, one son is 16. The plot thickens, okay? So, you're going with this fit check, and uh, great, okay? <laughs> And so, I don't know. So if you see one of my sons looking at you, uh, the check is happening. Do not feel obligated to care. Right, um, and so, here's the deal, though, in all seriousness. He brings this up as a joke, and I, I guarantee you, uh, I will report two Sundays from now how many times I've heard. Right. And it will be, I'll, I'll sort of put the new thing. Um, so I'm not trying to weave it in. And so, Jesus, and in our walk with Christ, we need to do, what we need to do? A song. A fit check. Alright. And we, and we really do. Like when we think about this, uh, when we think about what the passage says here, the passages that are coming up are going to say, we need to go through item by item in our lives. And we need to understand, have we put on Christ? Have we gotten dressed appropriately? Because to put on Christ is to identify with Christ before anything else. To put on Christ is to identify with Christ before anything else. And why do we do that? When we identify with Christ before we identify with anything else, here's what we do. We are then informed by the creator of who we are and who we're supposed to be. Right? And so when we think about this, a lot of times what happens is is we hear a scripture like this and, and we think of Christ as an accessory. When Christ is asking to be the priority. Amen. When we go before God, and, and hang with me here if you're younger because I'm about to say a word and you're probably going to laugh. I'm going to give you a preview of the word. It's naked. Get it out. That's <laughs> Okay? And so, here's the deal. When, when we appear naked, we're completely ex 
exposed. We're completely, we can be completely seen. When we're naked before God in a spiritual sense, he can see all of us. Which is an ultimate place of vulnerability. And what we can do is if we try to have Christ as an accessory, what happens is I clothe myself and cover myself with all kinds of other things and try to have Christ as a penitent. Here. And here's the deal with a penitent. What is a penitent? Well, a penitent can be worn when it's convenient and taken off when it's not. I can put Christ down and I can pick him up. But when I'm clothed fully with Christ, I cannot do that. He has become the priority and not an accessory. How many of you all in the room, and you don't have to answer this, this is rhetorical, how many of you all have treated Christ as an accessory at some points in your life? Where you have put him down out of convenience, but you have picked him up to, Lord bless me. Lord, let me do whatever I want to do. Lord, bless me. Lord, let me do whatever I want to do. We've all done this at some point. And so, but what Christ is wanting us to do is, is come to an understanding that we're supposed to be fully clothed in Him. That we can actually know that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. And this is why we can cry out, Abba, Father, and some people have translated this to, me, to say, like, Daddy. And what we need to understand, too, is there's this relation here that says this, that Abba, Father, is the most, the person who, who requires the most reverence and respect. He's the one that's closest to us. He deserves all honor and glory and power. And as we're clothed in Christ, what happens is this. As you are clothed in Christ, you are made new in Christ. Okay, say this with me, if you will. I'm going to say two words, two words, one word. Two, two, one. After I say the two, you say the two. Okay, ready? I have. I have. Been made. Been made. New. New. That's good. Impressive, I believe you said. Let's try it again. I have. I have. Been made. Been made. New. New. And there it is. And there it is. And this has been uh, this week's version of Lakeland Vineyard Self-Help, if you just go out and repeat that to yourself over again, say it in the mirror, uh, your whole life will be better. You'll be blessed. Okay, you can leave now. See you next week. No. <laughs> no. Is that a good thing to say? I haven't been made new? Absolutely. Here's the problem. We try to do phrases like this. And don't do anything else. I have been made new. Let me continue the way that I'm acting. I have been made new. Let me continue to do whatever I want to do. I have been made new. Oh, I feel it now. Let me put Christ 
say that you have an active part in following Christ. I'm not trying to be a smart one when I say this. But if you think about the phrase itself, action is implicit in the phrase. Following Christ. Being an apprentice to Christ. Does anybody, do, do you feel like there's action there? Could you imagine if you showed up at work and you said, yeah, I really want to be an apprentice. I'm just going to lay over here. And every now and again, when I feel like it, I'm going to watch what you're doing. You would be the world's worst apprentice. Absolutely, you'd have no desire really to learn. I just want to benefit from being in your presence. Now, the thing about God is, He will let you do that. He invites us into His presence. Right? We can be followers of Christ and maybe just follow way off at a distance. Kind of letting Him change us, but kind of not. So, in following Christ and being an apprentice to Christ, what we see is there, there's actually action that's involved. Right? And uh, there's, a, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians um, 5, verse 17. And the whole, the whole bit is, like, we have these new bodies, and we're God's ambassadors. And in 5.17 says this, uh, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Amen. A new life has begun. And then if, if you turn in your, in your Bible to the right, bit. In the uh, book of Colossians, chapter 3, it says this. Warning. Long reading ahead. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, which we have been, you, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you have been raised to new life. Uh, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Here's the action part. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worshiping the things of the world because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malice behavior, slander, and dirty language. I told you it was in there, Scott. And so, oh, 
you wonder like, ever wonder like, oh, why am I doing this again? I mean, has anybody ever caught themselves in the middle of sinning?
And it's true, right? And so we all struggle. And so anyways, but what does this do? As we're, as we're, as we're apprenticing to Jesus, as we're putting on the new book, as we're getting rid of this sinful nature, what do we do? Well, we're on mission. And so takeaway number three is this. You are on mission. Don't lose vision. And I ruined that because up there it looks like something from Hebrew. Now listen, I am actually so mad at myself right now. I had a whole thing going. I was going to go, does anybody know this? Does anybody know what this all means is this? It doesn't mean anything in Hebrew or Greek. Nothing. It means you are on mission. Don't lose the vision. Alright, so if you want to go say that to someone, Yaom, okay, go say it to them. Alright, but you are on mission, don't lose the vision. You are on mission, don't lose the vision. Here's what it says. Dallas Willard says this. But the vision isn't of what I'm going to do. It's not of what we're going to do. The vision is a vision of God and how good God is and how fortunate I am to be alive in God's universe. He's speaking of the kingdom. He says, out of this kingdom vision are born remarkable outcomes. If we look at St. Francis of Assisi and John Wesley and others with vision, we are impressed. And we think, I'd like to be a part of that. And then we begin to be a part of it. And the perspective shifts from the vision to the mission. And we stop focusing on the vision of life in God's kingdom. And we start focusing on what we're doing. <clears throat> then, we have to keep propping it up, the mission that is. Or else we start to feel bad about ourselves. Then we become preoccupied with methods and techniques and goals and measurements and outcomes. And burnout and stress and exhaustion are inevitable. And then sin starts to look good. And the only antidote is to come back to life in the Trinity, in the vision of the King. It's Dallas Willard in Living in Christ's Presence, a book that, if you haven't read, I invite you to read it. It's amazing. I started thinking about what Dallas was saying there, and I thought, that is really amazing. When he talks about having to prop up the mission, we start feeling bad. Oh my gosh, we haven't seen this. We haven't hit this target number. We haven't done this. What are we doing next? What's next? You know, in the, in the same book, Dallas Willard says this, like, you know, for me, I used to, okay, let me say this in a nice way, because I don't want to sound like I'm, I really don't want to sound like I used to ask people,
this book, he invites us to trust God. Do what God, live out of the vision of the kingdom of God in community, and then let God do what he's going to do. Because the reality of it is this. This is not to say that I do not need to be held accountable, which I am held accountable by the elder board of this church. It is this. I cannot control the outcomes of a Sunday service. God has it in his hand. So I can no longer respond, and if you didn't like it, I'm sorry. If you loved it, awesome. Let's go out and be on mission, but never lose the vision of what God is doing. When we live out of the vision of the kingdom, what happens is we put all outcomes in his hands. That is not to say that we don't work. It is, but we do not strive to earn his approval. We do not strive to earn the badge of grace that has been given to us for you. <coughs> Second Corinthians 5, 18, 21. This is a continuation of what we were reading before. It says this. Um, and all this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. I want you to get that. If you're a follower of Christ, I want you to hear that today. You are Christ's ambassador. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back. God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Amen. Let's never ever lose that vision. That life in the kingdom is a life that is truly lived. That life in Christ is real life. It's reality. That we are ambassadors of Christ on this earth, that God is making his appeal through you to the people around you. And what the simple questions we can ask, am I a person of peace? Am I a person of peace? And if I'm a person of peace, what does that look like? Now, does it mean if you're a person of peace that everything will always be peaceful? How many of you guys have found that, man, being a person of peace sometimes ruffles feathers? How many of you have found that believing in Christ and actually looking at, through this Bible, reading it, and taking it for what it is, you are not going to be particularly liked by some people? 
but you're called to love those people nonetheless. Amen. Yes. That's what we see. How could we possibly reconcile people back to God on our own doing? We can only do it through the power of the Spirit. So, as we leave here today, we leave on a mission, but we don't lose the vision. Get your butt naked self-dressed. Okay? Be, be made new in Christ. Allow God to deal with your heart. Daily, hourly, every thought.
heart. Let's see what the King of Kings will do. Because we could go around this room and we could talk about the restorative power that God has had in each one of our lives. How he's walked us through, how we've waited, how he's been coming, how he's ministered to us. We could talk about how we might be waiting right now. I'm a realist. There are both. 
time when God calls you to do something and you are going to say, Lord, I think you should choose somebody else. And if you say that, that's fine. Here's what I would say to you. Is your heart open enough to say, but if you would, if this is you, then I'll do it. So like, can we be real with God? I don't want to do this. But if it's you, I will do it because I know that, that your name is going to be glorified because of this. Amen. 